We thank you that when we received of you, that you would also give us insight and a heart and a compassion to impart that word to others because they need the truths that we have received. So we thank you, Lord, that we decrease as you increase and let your word be spoken with accuracy in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And as you open your Bible... I'll talk to you really quickly. I really am glad to be here today. Unfortunate circumstances that I'm here in town, but I'm, I'm glad that we were able to connect and to be a part of the service today. So I thank God for our family and how God has been uh, continuing to do more and more in our family over time. Um, what you may not know about me is that I, uh, uh, I am cousins with Pastor David. However, we didn't get to know each other until we were grown men. We didn't get to meet each other because of things happen in families. Amen. So one thing that happened in our family is my father was raised and my father got mad and my father left town and said he's never coming back to Alabama. And so he moved to California and that's where I grew up. Amen. Amen. Now, what happened is, is that over time, through God's divine things, God then arranged for us to be reconnected. And, and God has a way of, of, of using what seems like it's evil and turning it for good. Amen? Right. God has a way of taking things that seem like they're harmful for us or things that are bad. And we recognize at a certain point that within God's design, that God is, God is able to see past my feelings. God is able to see past my heart, my mind, even my thoughts. God can see past those things and God can take those things and orchestrate them in such a way that they become a blessing even when I thought they may have been a curse. And so every Christian, every believer, one who believes on God has to at some point come to an understanding that God's bigger than your feelings. That God is bigger than your thoughts, your, your design, your pathway that you have made and you've imagined for your life. That God sometimes will use things beyond the scope of your understanding to bring his will to pass. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I got to look up to him. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're in Acts chapter 1, right? Acts chapter 1 is the beginning of the birth of the church. And it's appropriate that this time of the year when we've just celebrated Easter and we've had Good Friday and we've, we've had those things that have led up to the coming of Christ. And, and we have this, this death and this resurrection of Jesus that has occurred. And that death and resurrection of Jesus is the thing that sets Christianity apart from everything else. In that this belief in the power of God over death. That God is bigger than death. That God is bigger than, than, than what anything that can be held by death. Jesus defies it. Jesus absolutely defies the power of death over him by resurrecting. So resurrection is the core of the Christian belief. The Christian faith is founded on the truth of resurrection. And for me as an individual, that, means, that was meaningless when I grew up in church. When I grew up in church, it was so meaningless to me that I, I just didn't even want church at all. And a certain, at a certain point in my life, I actually became an atheist because I just was raised in a Christian household, but I just didn't think anything about religion and church. I didn't want anything to do with it. So as soon as I could, I got to where I said, I'm not going to church. And my mother continued to go to church, and I was not going to church. And I went on about my business, and I went, away, went off into my life to begin to explore what I thought life was about. And I had a father who was very strong in, in, in kind of, 
philosophical uh, ideologies. He had a lot of thoughts about a lot of different things. And so me and my father would have these deep conversations, but he would never talk to me about God. And if I'd start the conversation going that direction, he'd be, no, 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 we're not talking about God. And so me and my father would have these deep conversations. We'd have this, this uh, 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 way of communicating. And I went on and I took it past that and I had my own thoughts and my own ideas. And then one day I had an encounter with God. And the encounter I had with God is, is not really the important thing here. But, but what happened to me is this, is that I was once again faced with the reality of whether I had power in this universe I live in. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, the disciples have followed Jesus. They have seen him die and lost their heart concerning what they were following. They saw him rise and get excited again. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, now, I'm not here to stay. I'm leaving again. And so we see in the book of Acts, as Jesus has resurrected and he's talking to his disciples, we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, he says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 6 is really key here. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? See, see, they're like we are. They had this man who they saw, and they realized this man has power. This man has something about him. This man has the ability. He was able to uh, defy the Romans. When the Romans wanted to arrest him, they couldn't arrest him. They went to him, they went and surrounded him, and the Roman centurion went back to his superiors, and when they asked, where is Jesus that we sent you to arrest, he said, I didn't touch him because I never heard a man talk like this. The Roman soldiers said that about Jesus. They said, we could not touch this man because we were so compelled by what he said. Jesus, these disciples have followed for three and a half years, and here he is, and they said, look, Jesus, we see that you have overcome death. Now, we need to know, when are you going to put the kingdom back in place? When are you going to actually have us be out from under this Roman rule? When are you going to bring us out? When are you going to take your place as a king? When are you now going to uh, uh, put us all in order? We're willing to follow you wherever. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. In other words, you don't know what question you're asking. You're asking me the wrong question. See, sometimes we look for a savior to deliver our circumstances. But remember, God is bigger than your circumstances. God's bigger than our thoughts. And their thoughts were locked on, put us in power. Put us in position. Put us where we need to be. And Jesus said, no, that's not what I came for. I didn't come to put the kingdom back to Israel. That's not why I came. I came for a deeper reason that you don't even understand yet, even though you've seen me overcome death. And so as he's standing there and these disciples are asking these questions, I want you to pay attention to a couple of different things that are spoken here. Number one is that the disciples wanted to know when was God going to do something about their situation. How many of us have prayed and wondered when God is going to do something about your situation? Say amen. 
Some of us have prayed and we ask, God, when are you going to change my circumstances? I'm here to serve you. I've been worshiping you. I've been praising you. I've been praying. I've been giving. Lord, when are you going to change my life? Can y'all say amen? amen? You can talk to me. I'm okay. You can talk to me. Amen. <laughs> That's real. That's the reality of Christianity. Reality of Christianity is that at some point, every question doubts what's going on in their life. Sometimes we look at our circumstances. If I love God, why is my life like this? Why am I struggling with things? Why am I dealing with things? Why, why is all this around me? Why, why, why am I dealing with things? I love God. Shouldn't I be out of this? Lord, when are you going to deliver the kingdom? When are you going to do it? That's what they wanted to know. But the second thing we got to notice here is that Jesus informed them that the fathers kept certain things under his authority, like times and seasons. The time is not our time. It's when God says it's time. He said, I keep this under my authority. The father has chosen certain things. I, Jesus, overcame death, but the father's still holding certain things in his own hands. He's still holding certain things close to him, close to his understanding. I want you to tell your neighbor, say, God's in control. <laughs> There's sometimes in seasons that the Father has chosen not to reveal things to humanity. There are certain things he has revealed. There are certain things God has already revealed to us, and we know them. We see them. Our whole Bible is filled with revelation of things that God has chosen to reveal to us. It's filled with things. And, and when I was not a believer, I saw the Bible just as another book. But then I've come to understand that the Bible's not just an, another book. It's an actually key to my life. It's a key to my understanding. It's a key to me actually being able to see what God has put in control that he retains and what God has put in my control that I have power to change. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm empowered. Come on, I need y'all to talk to each other. I'm empowered to change. I'm an interactive preacher. I'm going to talk to you. You're going to talk to me. Amen? All right. Say and tell your neighbor again, I am empowered to change. To change. See, they were looking for Jesus to come and change things. But he told them, no, no. The fathers kept certain things like the kingdom for his own timing. But you will receive power. Look at verse 8. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does that mean? That means God has got certain things in his hand, but God has put certain things in the hands of men. He has put power in the hands of people. He's put power in the hands of individuals. And sometimes the Christian life is filled with waiting for God to do things that God has put in our authority to do. I was with a group of people. We were praying for revival. I gave my life to the Lord in dedication at 25 years old. And when I went, I went to this prayer meeting and we were praying for change in our city. And we were praying and we we're praying. And we up in, in this room, and we're praying hard. And we come back the next day, we pray hard again. And the next day we come back and pray hard again. And we're praying and we're praying and we're praying, asking God to move. And then one day sitting in the room, I realized this passage jumped out and spoke to me. You shall receive power. 
You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. While you're calling on me to come, I've actually given you power already. You're calling on me to come and help you with certain things that I put in your authority to change. And as I'm sitting there praying for change, I realize, wait a minute, I'm the one who has to make the change. I'm not just given the Holy Spirit as an anointing to preach or as an anointing to sing or as anointing to do things inside the church. I've been given an anointing by God to transform anything. Any environment I go in, I can change the atmosphere. Not because of something special, but because I have the Spirit of God in me. Because you have the Spirit of God in you. You can change any environment. You can change any situation because you have the power. The problem for the church is the church has become religious and not kingdom focused. The church has become religious focused. And we sometimes get in a position where we see people doing great things and, and we attribute those things to God moving for them and not moving for us. And doing this over, and God's got favored people over here and favored people over there. There are no favored people. A man was, there was a man that was crazy, possessed by spirits. And Jesus is coming along and sees the man and everybody in the town is afraid of the man and they will not go near him. And this man is cutting himself and screaming. And they all said that he's insane. And when Jesus comes by him, Jesus frees the man from the oppression of the demonic. And his disciples watch it. And they see the man come to his right mind. And when he comes to his right mind, he asks Jesus. He says, listen, Jesus, can I come with you? And Jesus told him, no, you can't come with me. You need to go back to your family. And tell them what God did for you. You know, he didn't, guess what he didn't do? He didn't take his 12 anointed apostles, those people close to him, and tell them they were the only ones who would be able to go to that person's family and tell them the truth. No, what he told them is, you who just got delivered, you who just got saved, you who just came to saving knowledge, I want you to go back to your family and you tell them how good God is. The woman at the well, she's sitting at the well listening to Jesus. And she said, man, you're telling me everything about myself. I believe you must be a prophet. Right. He talks to her about God. And the scripture says this in John chapter 4. It says that she went away from there and went to all the men of the city and told them what Jesus had done for her. And the men came to listen to Jesus. Right. Why? Because she was anointed. She never sang. She never preached a message. She never did dynamic things inside the church. But what did she do? She had an encounter with God that made her anointed to go speak the truth to people. It's power to speak the truth. How much more power can a person have than to be able to speak the truth in the face of anything? To be able to speak truth in the face of all things. To understand that your power is not in your abilities but in what has been deposited in you. You have things in you to offer to the world that you have to understand that God's will was never to have a group of special people. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, and God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And sometimes we stop reading right there. We say, well, that's the church, but it doesn't stop there. It says 
they're given to equip the saints for their work of ministry. The work of ministry is what happens when saints, people who believe in God, take their role in going to the all ends of the world where God has called them to go and to speak the gospel and to speak the truth and to live an anointing that is not only about things we think of in church. When you read the Old Testament and you see the Spirit of God call, fall on people, you never see the Spirit of God fall on people and they went into the synagogue and did something. I want you to think about that one. Tell your neighbor, say, I didn't think about that one. Come on. Not one time can you find where the Spirit of God fell on somebody and they walked inside the synagogue and they did something. The Spirit of God came on them. They went outside and they did something. Here Jesus' disciples walked with him for three and a half years. They walked with him for three and a half years. And when he's now in this position where he talked to them, they said, when are you going to restore the kingdom? He said, I'm not. You're going to receive power. There's a power coming on you. And it's going to be the power of the spirit of God. When that spirit comes on you, you will be empowered to change the things that you see that need to be changed. When this spirit comes upon you, you will be able to walk into certain circumstances. And what happened with these disciples is that they began going places and they began changing things. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people inside the religion, got mad at them like they got mad at Jesus. Because they followed the real kingdom pattern. And the real kingdom pattern is God plus any person is powerful. I met, I met this family, and I'm not, I'm not saying this critically, but I want uh, for our understanding. I met this family, and the, the, in this particular ministry, the, the pastor, uh, this man who was a pastor, was a very gifted man, very, very gifted. And his son was coming up, up, up alongside of him, and he wanted to put his son into his place. So he was, got other people serving, but his desire was to actually have his son become his assistant and have his son take over for him. And so he began doing this, and what he began saying was, my family is anointed. And he began using the phrase, my family is anointed. My family is this. My family is this. And what he began saying, and I don't think he was conscious, I don't think he had an evil heart concerning this, but he, what he was saying was, was that there's a specialty about my family that's different from everybody else. But that's not how God works. Because I became God's child, not because of my parents, but because of God. Amen. Amen. See, see, when you read through scripture, you'll see a lot of God's children, but you never see God's grandchildren. Did you ever notice that God doesn't have any grandchildren? See, see, even the way Israel was born, the nation of Israel was born, God wanted to make them led by a group of priests, but they said, we want a king. The people told God, they said, we want a king. And God said, I'm going to give you a king, but I'm going to tell you right now what he's going to do. <laughs> he's going to tax you, he's going to take your daughters, and he's going to put his sons in charge over you. That's what he's going to do. I'm telling you now, that's how it works. Still, we want a king. Everybody else has got a king, we want a king. And so God gave them a king, and that's what happened. 
But then even in the middle of all of that, God still picks people, individuals. And when you read through your Bible, you see that God picks individuals who aren't always shining stars. God doesn't look for the gifted. God looks for the willing. God's not looking for, God's not looking for those with special power because he's got power to give you. Amen? Moses said, I'm, I stutter. I can't do it. He said, you don't need to stutter because I'm going to give you something. God is in the business of giving power to people to make change. The changes we pray for, the changes we desire, we have to recognize we have been given the power of God to make change. We've been given abilities from God. We've been given things that are special and unique to who you are, unique to only you. And there are certain things that can't be done unless you recognize God's hand is on you. Even the power to live holy doesn't come from us. It comes from God. When I, when I finally became a Christian, I, my mind was so, so polluted with stuff, I didn't know how to become, I didn't know how to live Christian. <laughs> how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to do that? And then you try to discipline yourself. And you realize self-discipline to stop you from doing stupid stuff doesn't work. Because if you got stupid thoughts, you're going to do stupid stuff. <laughs> you got to have your mind renewed. How does your mind get renewed? It gets renewed by what the Bible tells us. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Thy word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. So to put the word in our heart, in our mind, and then allow the spirit of God to come and anoint us to live. Yes. Anoint us to live. See, when we come to church every Sunday, what are we doing? We're getting equipped to live. Equipped and anointed to live your life, to live your life with anointing. I go to my job, and I'm a pastor and I have a job. I stay at my job because God told me I need you to live out your anointing. And so I go to my job and I live my anointing in my job. I live my anointing. I go into boardrooms and I, I wait for the Holy Spirit to tell me what to say. Because he said, you shall receive power when my spirit comes upon you. Amen. Amen. Did Daniel have power? Daniel sat in boardrooms with the king and the other governors. And he got wisdom from God and told them what to do. Amen. Did Joseph have power? Yeah, Joseph was in prison, but his wisdom was so strong he prospered in prison. Why? Because he didn't look at God just as God to take him to a synagogue. He couldn't get to the synagogue when he was in prison. It was him and God having a conversation and a dialogue. And from him and God having that conversation, he had wisdom beyond others around him. I'm telling you, when you receive the spirit, power is going to come on you. There's a power that God wants to release in your life. And it doesn't make a difference who you are or what you do. God wants to release his power in you. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4 really quickly here. Luke chapter 4. Tell your neighbor, say, I love the Bible. 
Because the Bible's got truth. Amen. My congregation is used to me making them talk to each other. <laughs> Luke chapter 4, verse 18. In this passage, Jesus is quoting from the book of Isaiah. He's quoting from Isaiah 61, and he's repeating something. Jesus has been in the wilderness, tempted of the devil for 40 days, fasting. And the scripture tells us that Satan went away from him, tempting him till an opportune time. In other words, he went, but he came back. And so Jesus now walks into the synagogue, and when he goes into the synagogue, he sits down, and they offer him the scroll to read from. And so when he grabs the scroll, he opens up to, to Isaiah 61, and then he quotes this passage to them. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Tell them your neighbor, anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim this year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. <laughs> I love that. Jesus is going to make a bold statement and just sit down. <laughs> I love this. And it says, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. He sat down and they were all looking at him. What's going to come out of his mouth next? And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> but you're not doing nothing, Jesus. You're sitting in the synagogue. See, Jesus understood this. He understood that when the Spirit of God comes upon me, he's going to give me anointing to do things. Amen. They've read over that passage all these times. These Pharisees have read this. The Pharisees' life was not about taking care of the poor. If their lives were not about doing things different. And so when they sit there and they listen to him saying, I've got an anointing to preach the gospel to poor folks. They didn't know what to do. Wait a minute, there's an anointing to talk to poor people? Yes, there is an anointing to go to poor people and show them how to break poverty in their lives. Wow. What if we were anointed to do that? What if we were anointed to actually go to poor people and teach them how to break the spirit of poverty off their lives. Wouldn't that be awesome? Would y'all like that power? <laughs> Look at what else he said. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to those who are captive to proclaim to them, to preach to them, they can be free. Amen. They can be free. Man, what if we could be empowered to do that for people? And recovery of sight to the blind. I want you to notice something very, very specific in this passage. Recovering of sight to the blind. 
In particular, this is not people who are born blind. This is people who have seen and are now blind. Tell your neighbor, say, are there any things you used to see that you don't see anymore? See, what this is, this is, I'm going to get into these a little bit more real quickly here, but I want you to understand, recovering of the sight to the blind means that there are people who have had hope and have lost their hope. They can't see how things are going to work anymore, and they've now become blinded to hope. They used to see, but now they can't see. I used to see how the church was going to grow. I used to see how this was going to happen. I used to see how I was going to do this or I was going to do that. I used to see that. I can't see it anymore. Why? Because life will come and try to blind you. That's what Satan does. He blinds the eyes. You have an enemy whose job it is to try to blind your eyes. And so, yes, there are people who cannot see. And Jesus said, I came to restore their sight. I can restore hope in people who've lost their hope. Look at the next thing. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, earlier on he said he, he sent me to proclaim liberty to captives. And this sounds like it's almost the same thing, but it's not. See, proclaiming liberty to the captives is telling people you can be free. And they get it. Oh, I can be free? Yeah, you can be free. Let's go. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. It's people who are oppressed and they won't believe that they can be free. And you've got to drag them to freedom. See, Jesus' disciples, they were optimists. They were looking for somebody. And so when they heard him preaching, they followed him willingly. There are other people Jesus had to go to and lay his hands on them to set them free. There are people who he had to go to. He had to do things to them to help them receive freedom that he was offering to everybody else that just followed. So there are people that have to be helped and there are people who you can just tell you can be free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which means this is the time. See, they heard Jesus say this in Luke chapter 4. And then we fast forward, if you turn your Bibles back to Acts chapter 1, I want you to understand something. The book of Luke and the book of Acts are written by the same person. And so when Luke... The physician sees and he hears Jesus. He writes this down. And he says, this, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord was upon, upon him. For God has anointed him. And then he comes back and he said, then I remember when Jesus was standing there and we asked him about the kingdom, then Jesus said something to us that registered in my whole. And it says, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. The word power here is the word dunamis in Greek. The word dunamis in Greek has the same root word that we pull the word dynamite from. Explosive. It's powerful. It, when it comes, when it has its way, things are going to change. You bring some dynamite in here and you light it on fire right here, we all going to run. Because why? We all know something's about to change. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Why? Because when that power hits that, you know what it represents. You're going to get out of its way because you know what it is. He said you're going to receive that kind of power. Let me ask you something. Do you believe you have that kind of power? 
See, do you believe you have that kind of power? Do you believe you have an anointing? That you, do you believe you have an anointing? Because Jesus said, I'm not coming to do what you think I'm going to do. Matter of fact, what's going to happen is you're going to receive power and you're going to do it. John later went in and he said, he said, I got the revelation. God's put the love of God on us so that as Jesus was, so are we in this world. You're not God, but you've been given the power of God to use. You've been given the power of God to use, but if we misinterpret what the power of God is and we believe the power of God is just for church, we missed it. Man, the power of God is for you to be able to bring healing to the brokenhearted to come to you. That when the people who are brokenhearted in your environment, it's one thing to go over all the world. You should go to all the world, but look what Jesus said here in verse 8. You're going to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. Where were they? In Jerusalem. You start where you are. I praise God for overseas missions, but I need to help the city that I live in. I need to bring healing to the city I live in. I'm going to give to missions. Those are free to go, but I'm supposed to do where I am. I have to touch and change where I am. So in my household, I'm there to heal the brokenhearted. At my job, I'm there to heal the brokenhearted. But you can't heal till you become a witness. Which means you got to see him do it for you. You got to let God do it for you. You got to let, let God do it for you first. You got to let God bring healing to who you are. Bring healing into your life. Let God bring clarity to your life. Let God restore your sight. Let God restore your ability to see. Let God help you see what you used to see that you don't see anymore. Let God bring you out of the bondages that you're in. I had a bondage to anger. I had a bondage to anger. I was trained to be angry. I had to let God renew my mind to get me changed so I can walk in the love of God because I can't be angry and walk in the love of God at the same time. I can't be angry and go help people who are struggling at the same time. I can't be angry handing out food to homeless people at the same time. I'm mad and I'm, here's a sandwich. <laughs> I can't be angry and fulfill the calling that God has for my life. So I have to let God deliver me from my anger. I can let God deliver me from my lack of confidence. I don't want to talk to people because I don't know how they're going to receive me. I've already been received by God. I don't care how you receive me. <laughs> I can walk anywhere and I can say anything I need to say to anybody God tells me to say it to because I lost my fear. God helped me with my fear. God delivered me from my fear. My thought of how people think about me. Guess what? God wants you to be the same way. God wants you to be so confident in the things of God because you know that you have an anointing on your life. Amen. Come on, I want you to say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who sees something and is willing to say, this is what I saw. Evangelism, that's what it is. Evangelism summed up in that very simple thing. 
this is what I saw. I saw God do this. There's a man who was blind at birth, and Jesus healed him. And the Pharisees came to him because he got healed on a Sabbath day, and they were mad because their religious day had been broken. And when they asked him, who is it that healed you? He said, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> they said, was it Jesus? He said, I don't know who it was. I just know a man came and laid hands on me. I was blind, and now I see. He was great. They got so mad, they kicked him, they kicked him out. And then Jesus came to him later and said, they kicked you out. He said, yeah, Jesus, come with me. <laughs> Understand this. Our communities, our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, they are harvest fields waiting for the laborers to show up. Right. Our schools, everywhere we go, is a harvest field waiting for us to show up. Waiting for us to be the hope. At my job, there's a place where, where, no offense to anybody who's a smoker, but all the smokers go to one place in this place. And so when I saw that's where they went, I would go sit among them. I don't smoke, but I would just go sit with the smokers. And I would just sit up there, and I would smile, and I'd have my Bible out, and I'd be reading. And they said, you don't smoke. Why are you here? <laughs> I said, I'd just like to listen to what y'all are saying. <laughs> I said, y'all got some good conversations. I said, oh, well, we, and they, and they would start kind of downloading things they're frustrated about. And I would sit there, and then the Lord would just let me lock onto one of them at a time, and I'd be able to go and make friends with them and minister to their lives. Just minister to them and restore hope and restore power and tell them how God wants to bless them and tell them how God wants to set them free, how God wants to bring new things into their life, how God wants to help them fulfill the purpose that he had for them when he shaped them in their mother's womb. I was able to just go in, and that's what God does. I don't have to, stay, I don't have to go and preach. I don't have to go and have church in the smoker area, take a text and stand there and preach to them. I don't have to do that. I had to recognize I'm anointed. And if I sit down with somebody, God will open a door for me to talk to them and to share and be a witness of what I've witnessed. We're empowered to bring change. See, some of us in here are empowered to do things that God has laid on your heart that you see your community needs. Some of you are empowered to start mentor programs. Some of you are empowered to, to just say, you know what, I got five little knucklehead kids on my street. I'm going to take them all somewhere. I'm just going to take them somewhere, and I'm going to operate in love to them. I'm going to show them things that they don't know. I'm going to pour wisdom on them. I go to work sometimes, and I quote right out of the book of Proverbs. And people go, oh, that's a good idea. So, yeah, it's a good idea. It came right out of the Bible. <laughs> Why? Because this, this word is truth. This word brings power and abilities that we don't even realize it has. So let me summarize with this. I want you to turn to the, um, I want you to turn to the book of 1 John chapter 4. It's not in my notes, but let's go there real quick. 1 John chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 17. 
It says, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, some people get this and go crazy and start thinking they're God and you're not God. Right. Tell your neighbor, say, you look good, but you're not God. <laughs> but it does say this. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. You're anointed. You are anointed. You're anointed to make change in wherever God sends you. God has given you power by his spirit to make change. God has sent you to make change. See, most sometimes we don't think we've been sent by God. We're waiting for somebody to come. But guess what? You're the sent one. You're the sent one. You're the one that's anointed. Why? Because if you believe on him, as the scripture have said, then out of you will pour rivers of living water. And people get so caught up in the, the religiosity of, of whether or not that means you speak in tongues or not speak in tongues. I don't care if you ever speak in tongues. I don't, I don't care if you spoke in tongues and floated off the ground. I don't care. I care do you understand the anointing. Not the religious anointing. The power of God to get stuff done. The power of God to come and make things happen, make things change. Do you understand the anointing of God, the power of God? And most people read Acts chapter 1 and they, that's what they get caught into. Oh, is it tongues? Is it not tongues? After chapter 2, what? they get a call caught because they get trapped in religion. But you got to remember, your Savior Jesus was not about religion. He was about the kingdom of God. He was about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is wherever the king is. And if the king's in you, then you need to know I'm the kingdom. Wherever I go, I represent the kingdom. I'm the ambassador of the kingdom. Why become ambassadors for Christ? Because you are, we're the kingdom. You're the representative of the kingdom. So if you understand that, then let God set you free. Let God move in you. Let God do something in you. Let God change you. By putting your mind and your heart upon the word, let the word saturate your heart and mind. Let God begin the change in you and the change in every place you go will occur. I can be silent and change a room. Not because of me, not because I have some kind of special gift, but I believe in the anointing of God in me. I believe if I can go into a room and this chaos, I can bring peace to the room. Because the spirit of God is in me. But I'm not special. It's in you. When my kids used to go, they used to go wild in the house. They would go wild in the house. And my first, I would be screaming. I'd try to, get I'm trying to get them all back in order. And then one day, I was praying and the spirit said, you are not being a witness of me. I said, oh man, what's that mean? And next time they started, he said, be a witness. And I just sat down, and I began to pray, peace, be still. A couple minutes later, they came down. I'm like, wow, this works. <laughs> it works. And then God said, now, go to work, do the same thing. And we're in a meeting, and turmoil's going on. Lord said, take authority. And I began to pray. 
and peace came in the room. And the Holy Spirit, he's kept telling me, he said, I'm trying to tell you, I'm with you. I'm trying to get you to understand, son. I know you know I'm with you. But I want you to know I'm with you. Amen. I want you to have a revelation, an understanding, I'm with you. Right. And because I'm with you, I can talk to you. I can show you what to do. I can show you how to overcome anything. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that can hear my voice. I pray that you fill them with revelation understanding of the anointing of God in their life. I pray that every.